0: Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and with me is Jay Jones.
1: Hello. How's it going?
0: It's going all right. We're here for awesome. Free for All Friday. Yep. And we've got maybe a jumbo one it on the It could be. I don't
1: know. I don't, we'll see what happens. We might have to stop this one and break it off and make two out of it. We'll see. Yeah. we. Um, We've got <clears throat> prophecy today. We'll talk about prophecy. So in particular, we'll talk about the redefinition of prophecy. Right. Right. Does prophecy continue today? Uh, many people would say it does. There are others who would say no. And what we'll find when we look at this is um, I think there's a uh, unnecessary redefinition mm-hmm. of prophecy that's going on. Right. But before we jump in, um has anybody ever made a prophecy around you George as you were growing up? Not that I can recall.
0: No. I don't think I've ever had. No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. How about you?
1: Well, not not for me, but I was there. Okay. Right? So in college in when I was in uh Kansas in Hutchinson, Kansas. Okay. Uh, I think Angie was there, actually. We were dating. Angie and I went to church with one of her friends who was uh, at a charismatic church, and that girl brought her boyfriend, too. So we're all sitting there, I'm sitting next to her boyfriend, and this lady comes over, and she prophesies to him, Okay. to this other guy sitting to my left, <clears throat> and she's like, God has told me, I have a word for the Lord for you, God's told me that you're gonna become a preacher. And so I'm like, "You were close. See <laughs> him become a preacher. Only five feet off that prophecy was." Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now, now I remember
0: someone uh, visiting Old Northwest Baptist mm-hmm. and giving some kind of prophecy to my wife, mm. but I cannot remember what. What this lady was telling her, yeah, I remember Julia coming and telling me, and and we had a a good laugh about it. But I I can't remember what what she said. Uh, But she was going on and on. Yeah, I know that. I know that it was it was long. (laughs) It was a longer conversation. You know, you would think that I'd I would have had some experience with this because I I grew up in Tulsa. Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of people may not know that that Tulsa is kind of a, a hub for charismatic churches right there's a there's a lot of charismatic churches up in the tulsa area mm-hmm. um you've got oral roberts university um and you've got some big you got some bigger churches up there that are yeah are. that are uh <clears throat> pentecostal yeah charismatic Um uh, but uh and i i went to high school with a lot of charismatic people right yeah but uh i don't i don't remember ever having any kind of prophecy uh-huh Around me, or or towards me.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, what's interesting today is um, <clears throat> this isn't contained only in the charismatic world, and by that I would be like uh, even like traditional Pentecostals and <sighs> charismatics, and then even from them coming the Word of Faith movement. A- That's assembly, how you usually assembly, assembly of God. And, yeah. Then there's they're more assemblies of God are more of a and Pentecost uh, Penteco, classical Pentecostals. They're kind of more of a older. Okay. Uh, traditional break off of Wesleyanism okay they've, they've practiced uh, the prophetic these prophetic giftings or, or the what they would say are prophetic giftings and yeah, continuationism but today it's kind of merged into the charismatic world which is a conglomerate of mm-hmm. a, could be whatever and then word of faith movement uh, but even from there it's come over into other even reformed right circles today yes uh, so you have um, Sovereign Grace Churches, mm-hmm. right. C.J. Mahaney and who who helped start that? Mahaney and someone
0: else. Uh, C.J. Mahaney and Joshua Harris were. Josh, that's right. Um, the the two big <clears throat> ones. I, I we've talked about Joshua Harris. He's apostatized. Um, I don't know. Is C.J. Mahaney still I, preaching? Because I, he had he had a, a lot of of controversy around him, right? Um, and the church, but I don't know what. I don't. I don't know what has happened with him. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who's? I don't know either. Who's a piano player? Bob Coughlin. Bob Coughlin. Yeah. Sovereign <clears throat> Grace Music, mm-hmm. which we love. Sovereign. Oh Grace yeah. Music. Yeah. We sing Sovereign have Grace it on, Music here. Having on repeat. So uh, yeah. So they're Reformed, but they would say they're continuationist. Do they call themselves Reformed Charismatics? What's their official way they talk about themselves? I don't know.
0: Uh, you know, if you talk to a truly reformed person, you can't be a they'll, continuationist they'll and <laughs> yeah, and reformed.
1: But they say that's what they are, and so they're Cal- they're Calvinistic. I, yeah. I don't
0: know if they'd call themselves reformed, but they would they'd call themselves Calvinistic.
1: Yeah, and I think Southern Grace churches are pretty solid, for the most part. Depends on probably which I one you know. go to. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, better, th- I, I'd say probably a lot of them are a lot better than a lot of Baptist churches. I
0: would imagine so.
1: Yeah, and they're—I
0: think—they're Baptistic.
1: Like, like in my mind, Drake goes to college, and he's like, "Hey, Dad, here's my two choices. I can go to this traditional SBC church, or I can go to the Sovereign Grace Church." (laughs) I'm gonna be like, "Uh, "I'm gonna probably try to push you to the Sovereign Grace Church." Okay, is that bad that we're there? Uh, yeah, yeah, not a good sign. Yeah. So this is a issue that we should start off by saying there are disagreements Mm -hmm. right between legitimate Christians on this.
0: Right, we'd uh, you know we like we like John Piper, uh, but John Piper would land on the other side.
1: Right, yeah, John John Piper, I've I've read quite a bit on his beliefs about this. listened to him. Um, he and John MacArthur had dialogue on this, okay. and I think they're a great example mm. on how people Christians should dialogue with each other. Right, yeah, because they've been friends for a long time. They're both solid. And they've done tremendous work for the gospel, and they're, and so the way they interact is very good, even though they they very much disagree, right? So they're a great example. Uh, we should try to follow that, I think.
0: So we would we would come down, at least initially, that this is not a salvific issue, right? Now, as we go further in, we might nuance that, yeah, um, a little bit,
1: yeah, yeah. And we and we're coming from the perspective that the gift of prophecy does not continue today, right? Apostles, prophets—that's—that's that's no more.
0: Because we are truly reformed. Oh right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then
1: there, then there, those who say you guys aren't reformed, right? Because you are Baptist. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, it's a competition. You can be the most reformed. Yeah, yeah, we would be. We and would then be we would say, no, we we actually continued to reform. That's right. Just, we
0: are we are the reformed.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys just uh, stop part way.
0: We're we're following the uh, the regulative principle.
1: Yeah. <laughs> As it applies to baptism, yeah, right. Fun stuff. Okay, yeah. but so
0: again, yeah, you're you're right. We we should be able to um, we should be able to talk about this as brothers and sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. um, because uh, we rally around the gospel, right? Right. Um, but that uh, that doesn't mean that we can't disagree. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way in which we disagree should point to the fact that we are. Um, At least taking each other's profession of faith at face value.
1: Yeah. Now, the reason we're talking about this today is because um, leaders in the charismatic world, including Pentecostals, uh, Assemblies of God, Foursquare, what's uh, uh, Dr. Brown? Do you know what he is? He's kind of one of the leaders of this. I don't know what he is. But he's one of the original signers. They got together... He might be Assembly of God. So I've got it here. They've got together, George, Mm -hmm. and they put together a statement on prophetic accountability. Prophetic Standard Statement. They released it April 29th, 2021. Now this was because of all of the crazy Trump prophecies that were coming out all over the place, Right. Pat Robertson prophesied that Trump would win re-election, that there would be major conflict as a result. Mm-hmm. And then I think he even said an asteroid would hit the earth after four four years. Yep. Something like that. Yeah, he did. So Trump did not win the presidency. He said
0: there'd be an assassination attempt on Trump. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Uh, before we get too far, um, you knew that he was messianic Jew. Doctor Brown? Dr. Brown. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's his first name? Michael. Michael Brown. Um, it just says that he's part of the charismatic movement. I don't. I don't see an actual denomination.
1: He's written a couple of solid books on other topics too. Yeah. I believe. Um, he's
0: got a has a series of books on answering Jewish objections.
1: Yeah. to the gospel. So he helped kind of spearhead gathering up the influential people in their circles, mm-hmm. and they came up with this statement. Um, and I think it's probably good that they tried to address it because it it is pretty out of control. There's just false false prophecies all mm-hmm. over the place. Yep. Nobody does anything about it, and uh, so they're trying to at least bring some measure of accountability. Yeah, <clears throat> we read through this in great detail. I marked it all up. Uh, there's some big problems. <laughs> yes, in this statement. Yep, and that's where we come down <clears throat> to our big disagreements. Mm-hmm. Right. So at the heart of the disagreement, I think, is this. And then let's try to examine where they come from and what we believe to be biblically uh, more accurate. Um, they believe... And you can so,
0: find you can find this statement on
1: propheticstandards.com. Mm-hmm, propheticstandards.com. They believe that New Testament prophecy is not always perfect. Mm-hmm. That, it, that people, prophets, can err. They can right. get up and say, This says the Lord, and they can be wrong. So, what they've done is um, redefined, I think, what prophecy is. Mm-hmm. They've made it something different than it has always been. Um, And Wayne Grudem has influenced a lot of this, I think. He wrote that book on prophecy, and and a big part of his uh, thesis is that New Testament prophecy contains error, and it's to be tested. Right. Right. Uh, Right. So that's a big part of it. We'll get into that. We take a different stance. Uh,
0: The reason I think we're we're focusing on this particular statement is because it's not just um, no names who have signed it. Right. So Michael Brown... Wayne Grudem,
1: Sam Storms, yeah, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology is used uh, by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Driscoll, he yeah. took a lot of time off after
0: his <laughs> yeah. the allegations of abuse at his church. He started a new church in a different uh, state. Different state. Did you see he like he signed did, it?
1: Did you see he like uh, deny uh, rejects. Elder accountability. Now, Do you see that? Yeah, I did. So I guess it's just him. He's the sole guy.
0: He's got a board of directors. <laughs> okay, but none of them are are elders. Yeah, and I don't I don't think any of them go to his church.
1: That's insane. Um, I think it's just him. That's crazy. That's there's no accountability with that.
0: No, no good. Yeah, uh, Craig Keener. He, he's written some commentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's uh there's some some high profile
1: people that have. Sign this, yeah. That,
0: no John Piper,
1: no, no John Piper. This has been going on though for a long time. Mm-hmm. The false prophecy. Um, the passage there's a passage that you preached on a couple of weeks ago in Second Peter. Uh, I gotta think of it. What while, while I'm trying to think of it, it's something about how they bring reproach on the church or the gospel.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah, they blaspheme. The way of the way of truth is blasphemed. That's yeah. it. That's it's, that's what I yeah, wanted to Yeah, It's on. uh yeah. It's uh chapter two. Okay. Um, verse two. Many will follow their sensuality and because of them the way of truth will be
1: blasphemed. Speaking of false prophets. False prophets. All right. The way of truth is <clears throat> blasphemed. <clears throat> now this has been going on a long time. Yes. I'm surprised it took this long for this statement to come out. Um, yesterday, I was I was re- doing research on this, and there are just so many false prophecies. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to spend our time bringing those up. You can Google that quickly and find a bunch. But one of the big ones was Oral Roberts and the hospital. hmm Oh, yeah. So he built that hospital, which he said Jesus told him to build, and he was going to train uh, missionaries. Well, it was going to be a hospital and a missionary training place to train missionary doctors. Yeah had to raise $8 million, or he would be, or God would kill him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so the prophecy contained all this other stuff. Well, I found a letter that somebody wrote him mm. to uh, to call him to repentance. Oh, yeah? It was an open letter that he wrote to Oral Roberts. Okay. I think this was in the 80s. It was pretty interesting. And he listed all of the false prophecies Oral Roberts had ever made, mm. and he tried to call him to repent, public okay. repentance. It was a very good letter. I thought it was very done in a. Very gracious way, Um, because you know they he took that money and then uh, shut down the medical school, and (laughs) so all of these and it was very public.
0: That building's still there. That's uh, you know you're you're driving you're driving to Tulsa from uh, from Oklahoma
1: City, and you come over that hill, and that's that's one of
0: the first buildings that you see is is right there.
1: And when these things publicly happen, when people say, Jesus appeared to me and told me to do this, mm-hmm. or this is a word of, from the Lord, <laughs> right? and that they don't happen, it brings public reproach on the gospel.
0: Yeah, and, and this is just one example. I I'm, I remember uh, Benny Hinn claiming that Jesus was going to appear on stage the, the next night at his
1: revival service, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, surprise, didn't happen, right? Right. So that man sent that letter to him, but he also sent it to several other mm. uh, leaders in the the charismatic world okay and it was interesting to look at that the list of the people he sent them to yeah. uh, and they they responded to him, even some of them and okay. hey, he tells you what they said. but those people would go on to make their own false prophecies, mm. so they're people like Kenneth Copeland and <laughs> so they didn't apparently listen to the guy's letter,
0: yeah um, it's like second Peter chapter two, right yeah. Like he's, he's writing it and the false prophets are in the, they're in the church. They're receiving this letter. It's, it's not, there's not like this, you know, separation yet. They're still in the church. And so he's writing and you can imagine they're, they're hearing this and, yeah. uh, and not listening.
1: Yeah. So they, um, they came out with this in response to the Trump stuff because that was so public. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were so many different people prophesying. Oh yeah, that Trump, Paula White, Trump was going to win, and just all these and,
0: angels, God's, all these angels coming yeah. and fighting, and yeah.
1: Thus, when you get up and you say, "God has said to me," mm-hmm. or "God has told me," and you're claiming to be a prophet, yeah, right. Um, we believe there are much high standards than this document says. Yes. And the reason we do that is not because we feel that there is, mm-hmm. but because the Bible has high standards for for prophet.
0: Yeah. So I think the the beginning of the the letter or the the statement yeah is acceptable if if you're a continuationist. Mm-hmm. Um, but the further on, the further you read into it, um, the worse it gets. It does. And yeah. the ending of it, um, well, I mean, I was reading it to you, and I just I just started laughing because it's just so ridiculous.
1: Right. So they they would categorize people who make false prophecies. There are like three of them, right? Uh, What what are they?
0: (laughs) Um, So they, they say that we therefore recognize distinctions between a believer who gives an inaccurate prophecy, in which case they should acknowledge their error, a believer who consistently prophesies inaccurately, in which case we recognize that this person is not a prophet and we urge them to stop prophesying, and a false prophet, whom we recognize as a false believer, a lost soul, calling them to repent and be saved. So there's, there's the, there's the uh, the prophet who gives an inaccurate prophecy. There's the one who consistently gives inaccurate prophecies, and then there's the the false prophet.
1: So the one who consistently gives, they would say, "Hey, you're not a prophet. You need to stop doing that." Uh-huh. But the third one is. An unregenerate person that's giving yeah. false prophecies. So they're fa- They said that's a real false prophet. Right. <laughs> the others are believers. Yeah. They're just in error. You know they, right. And they need to. Sh- and the, what they need to do is, he said, they need to publicly repent. This mm-hmm. is their standard. Yeah. Publicly repent, show heartfelt contrition mm. to the church, and have accountability. Yeah. But that's not God's standards, right? As we'll see. <laughs> right. they, there was another very peculiar statement at the end of that. Uh, at the end of the statement something about the the gifts and calling God are irrevocable
0: yeah this is the last this is the last <laughs> the last paragraph <laughs> and it's it's real funny jay i I find it very very funny because god's gifts and calling are irrevocable that's Romans 1129. We understand that a person who has been prophetically gifted might be able to function in that gifting even though they are no longer in right relationship with God. Uh, That is why it's imperative that we judge a prophet by the fruit of their life and ministry rather than by their gift, also recognizing that there are some who started right but will be rejected in the end.
1: So that statement, the gifts and calling of God, are irrevocable. Mm -hmm. We would agree. We would say right. when God calls someone mm-hmm. to salvation, they he never lets them go. Right. And the giftings he gives them, he doesn't take it away. Right. Uh, but they would they have to redefine this verse because uh, they have to reinterpret it because they believe you can lose your yeah, salvation. Uh, yeah.
0: Michael Brown is an Arminian.
1: Yeah. And so you can lose your salvation apparently being not right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Let somehow continue to prophesy. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's very confusing to me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. They're they're separating the even subtly they're separating the gift of prophecy from the working of the Holy Spirit.
1: In that in that sense, because mm-hmm. you cannot be in a right relationship with God and still prophesy somehow. That's very bizarre. Yeah, right. Okay, let's jump into what well we believe prophecy is in the standard of prophecy mm-hmm. okay and i don't think this has ever changed and then we'll look at what they say and examine if it could even be that <clears throat> so here goes a definition of prophecy okay we'll see if you if you would agree with it or not um i would tend to agree with it let's see where is it um, why did I not save it? Shame on prophecy, you. Prophecy. Okay, this is what John MacArthur said. This is a something he wrote for to John Piper when they were dialoguing, doing their back and forth. You mm-hmm. know, in Scripture, prophecy is always presented as infallible. You agree? I do. Infallible, authoritative. Mm-hmm. Why would it be authoritative?
0: Speaking the Word of God. Right. Because God's word... If you say, this is what God said to me, then God's word is infallible.
1: And it carries the authority of the Mm -hmm. sender. Right. So in Scripture, prophecy is always presented as infallible, authoritative Mm -hmm. declarations, declaration of God's inerrant revelation. Okay. means it contains no errors. Right. God doesn't get a prophecy partly right. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not an impression of the mind. Right. And we've got a... We have a clip. We've got a clip. <laughs> on the impression of the mind. <laughs> so that's what they do is they redefine prophecy. It can be impressions of the mind, right. whether clear mm-hmm. or vague, <clears throat> but Scripture is a verbal declaration mm-hmm. using words that the prophet then vocalizes audibly or writes down legibly in the presence of others who could then hear them and read them? Yeah, that seems to be what we see in the Bible. And then, if someone claims this, the God gives us His standard mm-hmm. for testing this, right? Right. Do you have those? They come from Deuteronomy. Well, we've, we've
0: we've looked at these um, as we've been looking at uh, at Second Peter chapter two. There's two. There's okay. two uh, two standards, Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18. So if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Yeah. Right. So the, the first standard is, here's a guy who actually does Miracles. some kind of miracle, mm-hmm. but he is Calling you away from the one true God. Yep. Um, and I think that I think that that um, means also the moral the moral standard. Mm-hmm. If a if a prophet, they may not say, "Let's go worship Baal." They may say, "We we are serving Yahweh. He wants us to go have cult prostitution." Right. Um, so you're not <laughs> worshiping you're not worshiping Yahweh. Mm-hmm. You're worshiping a false god even though you're you're calling him Yahweh. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think we see that in 2nd Peter too. Um the the second one's in Deuteronomy 18. Um let's see uh Let's see where where to start this. Uh let's just start in verse 18. Okay. Um, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So we've, this is kind of what uh, what a prophet's actually going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, this culminates in the Messiah, so there's the, the prophet right. who's who's coming. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So there's, there is a, a responsibility for the people also, that when the prophet speaks in God's name, you're supposed to obey. So the the prophet needs to be accurate. Yeah. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Yes. But that's a that's a pretty clear <coughs> standard, right? If the prophet speaks in the name of God and whatever he says doesn't come true, then he, he he's not a prophet. Right. He's not a real prophet.
1: Yeah. And the penalty? Is death. <clears throat> so that, they're, that they're, same prophet shall die. Yeah, the penalty is excommunication from Israel and death. What I find interesting in the Old Testament is not that that's the standard. Well, that's interesting to me that standard. What's interesting is that Israel didn't follow that standard. They listened to false prophets all the time. Yeah. Right. Right. So I <clears throat> Elijah. He's like, am I the last prophet? Am I the only one following Yahweh left? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's him—the showdown yeah. between him and all the prop. These are prophets in Israel. Yeah, prophets of Israel have led the people astray to worship Baal. People didn't follow God's standards. Mm-hmm. Um, he shows up, shows them that there is a standard,
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> and yeah. uh, he's a real prophet.
0: So we've got the we've got this statement in front of us, uh-huh. and their their standard is very different, slightly <laughs>
1: slightly <laughs> less. Yeah, <Right. laughs> yeah. Their standard is is much less. Let's see. Um. So so here's 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 what they base it on. Right? They say they would say of us that we despise prophecies because mm-hmm. we believe the office of prophet doesn't continue. But let we'll come back to that. As to, as, to, as to why they get at that. Um, here's what they say. Here's their consequence, okay? Mm-hmm. For a prophet who prophesies incorrectly, they say, we believe that all spiritual leaders, including five-fold ministry prophets, we need to, we need yeah, we'll to talk get, about we'll that. We'll get to that. Should be above reproach and should live a life worthy of their calling. Consequently, we believe that prophetic leaders whose lives violate the moral and ethical standards of the word Disqualify themselves from the ministry, irrespective of how much influence and anointing they have. Okay, I would agree that any ministry leader, prophet or no, would you agree? Mm-hmm. They they lose their ability, uh, and now I want to say ability. They they lose their um, what is the word I'm looking for here? It's a uh, privilege to serve as a leader of the church is a privilege, right? And you lose it mm-hmm. if you if you don't meet the biblical qualifications. But then we get to this section, right? Um, they say this, On the other hand, this, now I've skipped se- several paragraphs, If a prophetic word is delivered containing specific details and dates in which the stated prophetic word will come to pass, and that prophecy contains no conditions to be met in order to be fulfilled, and that word does not come to pass as prophesied, then the one who delivered the word must be willing to take full responsibility, mm-hmm. demonstrating genuine <laughs> contrition before God and people. Yeah, that's a little that's a little bit <clears throat> off of um, God's standards.
0: They go on towards the end to say we reject the notion that a contemporary prophetic word is on the same level of inspiration or authority as Scripture or that God always speaks inerrantly through prophets today, Mm -hmm. I I got a problem with that. (laughs) Since the Bible says we only know in part and prophesy in part, it is the written word alone that can lay claim to being the word of God. Prophecies at best are a word from the Lord to be tested by the word of God. So they're making this distinction between the word of God and a word from the Lord. Yeah, and they go on. Finally, we while we believe in holding prophets accountable for their words in accordance with the scriptures, we do not believe that a sincere prophet. So they're testing it by their sincerity, right? Who delivers an inaccurate message is therefore a false prophet. <laughs> what else would they? What else would they be? Instead as Jesus explained and as the Old Testament emphasized, false prophets are wolves in sheep's clothing in contrast to true believers who might speak inaccurately. Thus a false prophet is someone who operates under a false spirit masquerading as the Holy Spirit.
1: And see, but I, I feel would like a- there's a lot of there's I a lot of a- caveats there. <laughs> I would agree with the last statement. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A false prophet right is operating under yes a false spirit. Right. Oh, I, I would agree. And what yeah, Jesus I'd ask, said. Absolutely agree. And what Jesus said uh-huh. a false prophet is a wolf in sheep's clothing. <laughs> right. No matter yeah. their sincerity.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, what what's no the standard the here?
1: The standard yeah. is they're a sincere prophet. Right. Or even, I'll say, no matter their sincerity or even their public profession, mm-hmm. that they are a Christian. Right. The standard is not them. Right. Or their sincerity or their profession. The standard is God's word. Yeah. If they say, thus says the Lord, God told me this, mm-hmm. and it is not accurate and does not come to pass, they are then, by default, a wolf in sheep's clothing and operating under a false spirit. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, clear. That's a, Now, why do people think they can redefine this? That's the question. Yeah. I don't now, know. part of it is they say... Because of the, the verse you just read, uh-huh. we prophesy in part and we know in part. Right. We need to talk about that verse. Okay. Okay, can you find that verse? Well, I... It's in uh, Corinthians, no? Can,
0: can we talk about Agabus first? Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, because
1: they, they use Agabus
0: well, this, as kind of the poster child for this is what New Testament prophecy looks like, right. and he's not completely accurate, and so New Testament prophets well, aren't.
1: Well, let's talk about something that we agree on first before okay. we get here. Okay, okay. We believe there were prophets in the New Testament era. Yes.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So all
1: of the verses in the Bible, mm-hmm. we believe, applied in yes. the apostolic age. Right. So there were people who spoke in tongues. Mm-hmm. There were people who were prophets, and of course, there were apostles. Right. Um, we believed. We believe that the fivefold ministry, right, was for laying the foundation of the church. We don't believe the office of apostle. So, So profit. So
0: define the define the fivefold.
1: Okay, the fivefold ministry ministry comes from Ephesians. It's Ephesians four right? Uh Yeah, Ephesians chapter four that God has ascended on high and given good gifts gifts among men. Mm -hmm. The imagery is of a king who returns having conquered a nation. He brings spoils of war and he distributes it among his people Mm -hmm. for the building up of his kingdom. Yeah. Jesus, having conquered death, ascends on high, and he gives good gifts to men, to his church, for the building up of his church. And they are the office of apostle, prophet, uh, pastor, evangelist, and teacher, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, We agree that teacher, pastor, and evangelist continues today. What we do not agree with is that there are apostles today yeah. or prophets today. Yeah. Part of that reason being we believe those were to lay the foundation of the church. Right. Which is um, Ephesians, is it, t- wh- where is it? Ephesians 2? Yeah. Um, What is the, where is it? Um, Here it is, 20, right? Or 1920, Ephesians 2, 1920. Mm-hmm. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, meaning Jew and Gentile who've been become one new man, the church, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundations foundation of the apostles and the prophets right <clears throat> so we what foundation do the apostles and prophets lay
0: uh, the gospel yeah they laid, they laid the foundation of the, of the you know the, the first tier issues that we've been talking right. about on, on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. those doc, those doctrinal issues that touch upon the gospel.
1: Yes. And we believe that when the foundation was laid and final, mm-hmm. that we had the final prophecy right in God's word. Yeah. That's so why we believe the canon is closed. So the canon's closed and the church builds upon that. the apostles and prophets. This right. was from, I remember the, the sermon that I did back in John 17, mm-hmm. right? Right. We're talking about the the unity of the church, mm-hmm. the oneness of the church. The church is only unified insofar as they are linked to the apostles. Right. Not in a apostolic secession as a Catholic church, but in their teaching. Right. Because that's the teaching in the words of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and many times and in many ways, God has spoken to us, but in these final days he's spoken to us through his son. Right. That's Jesus, the final, uh, most clear revelation of God. The apostles and prophets then, through the ministry of the Spirit, reveal Jesus's ministry in detail and application that flows out of that right. in the epistles. Right, and that's it. And once we have it, we have everything we need to build the church. Mm-hmm. Um, because the standard of apostle is very high. I think commissioned by Jesus, having seen him and been commissioned by him. Right. And we don't believe that continues today. They
0: don't talk about uh, apostles in here, do they? I mean, they talk about the fivefold ministry, right? So I assume that they they believe that it's still ongoing, but I don't know if they if they talk about yeah. talk about that. But
1: well, they kind of redefine apostle anyway, as, as right. like a right. But
0: I mean, you you've got a definite. You have a, a definition. You have qualifications laid out explicitly in the Book of Acts for what an apostle yeah is right you you have to you have to have been with Jesus for the entirety of his ministry you have to have been a witness to his resurrection mhm well I, I don't think that any of these guys are going to meet those qualifications jay
1: right so i think i think i think they have they would have to agree that at a minimum apostles ceased i don't know but, but don't many know. of the, see but, but, but <laughs> many know. of them because claim because they, they redefine it well many of them claim Jesus has appeared to them mm. right which I always say, I don't believe you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. I don't believe you. Um, especially when what you say he told you when you saw him doesn't come to pass. Then I then I super don't believe you. Yeah. Um Okay. Fivefold ministry. Yeah. I took a test once, I told you this. Mm-hmm. It was back when I was in the church planting early training stages and stuff, and had a friend who was kind of in this missional movement. And he's like, "You need to take the APES test." And uh, so I took it. I take this test. Really, all it is is a personality test, mm-hmm. but they but they kind of like lay over these gift these uh, yeah the gifts of Christ to His church, and and so they'd say, "Oh, you're a prophet." But do you know why, George? Because they were able to discern, like through this test, that um. I'm able to ass, uh, assess in the culture where the culture is in violation of God's word and speak to the culture. Mm-hmm. Does that fit my personality? Yes, it does. <laughs> and I'm able to call the church to repentance. Yeah, foretelling, right? And and then and then evangelist. And if you took it, knowing your personality, I had a, I had a tiny bit of apostle too. Apostles is like entrepreneurs. <laughs> that, that's what they do. Oh, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, right. You're an apostle. You start things. Yeah. You would be a teacher, pastor, and have some profit. And, and this is kind of the thing mm-hmm. that goes along with it.
0: Yeah. This is why I would not recommend people trying to find out their spiritual gifts by taking these spiritual gift inventory tests. Right. Yeah. The best way for you to, uh, to figure out what your spiritual gifts are is to be a member of a local church and start to serve. There you go. <laughs> and and uh, through the opportunities that are open for you and through um, the other members, your spiritual gifts will start to be recognized. Yeah. That's like, right. Like we're not pastors because we are self-proclaimed pastors mm-hmm. and we just set out to become pastors. The, the local church recognized us as being gifted as, as teachers. Yeah and I, they they set us aside as
1: pastors. Yeah, a group of elders examined me for a um, year or two. Yeah. Teaching, preaching, mm-hmm. things of that nature, administration. Then the local church examined as well mm-hmm. and set me apart to be a pastor at that church. Right. Then came down here, you know. Yeah. All right, so you have Agabus. Okay. This is what they would say, "Hey, here's a prime example of what we're talking about. Right. New Testament prophecies, not like old Right. It contains error, mm-hmm. and then after that, let's get into we uh, we know in part, we prophesy in part. When are, we,
0: when are we going to do our uh, impression? Oh, when are we going to do the video of oh the video of yeah, the yeah, impression? Yeah,
1: yeah. The impression video. Yeah.
0: Let's do this first. Okay, do that. Let's do yeah, Agabus let's first, do first because he's because Agabus is clearly a true prophet. Okay. Um, he's prophesied earlier in the Book of Acts. Um, that a famine was going to hit mm-hmm. and so they take up a collection for the church in Jerusalem so that they'll have um, resources during this this famine and the famine happens mm. now here in Acts chapter 21 uh, Paul is making his way to Jerusalem and Agabus shows up again uh, he gives a prophecy the uh, the signers of this this statement would probably I, I, because I've heard them use, this this prophecy as an explanation of why New Testament prophets don't have to be 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. And I think what they're doing is that they're trying to press his prophecy into something that it wasn't meant to be. Right. All right. So um, it says in Acts 21, verse 10, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So they, they look at this and then they go over to where Paul is arrested. Um, he's arrested because the Jews are rioting mm-hmm. and they're about to tear him apart. And the Romans come in. And arrest him and take him away. Okay, and they say, "Look, the Jews didn't bind him and deliver him to the Romans. The Romans came and rescued him from the Jews who were trying to kill him." Now, what do you think about that, Jay? You think that's a you think that's a legitimate criticism of uh, Agabus's prophecy that it's not one hundred percent accurate?
1: I I don't think so. I think they're doing something with it. Like you said, it's not meant to be. So, what they're saying is there the error is. That the Romans arrested him, mm-hmm. and not the not the Jews, right. right?
0: Now, if you continue reading the story, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's only one reason why Paul is kept in in prison right. for years. Yeah, it's because of the Jews. Yeah, the the Romans don't care about Paul. The
1: Jews, well, the Jews surrounded him. Yeah, they and so they literally <laughs> right. arre- they arrested him. Uh-huh. He can't. He's not free to move. In right. fact, I think they're. If they weren't stopped, they were going to kill him. Oh, yeah, they, they were, were going to kill him. They were going
0: to kill him. Yeah, they were
1: going to kill him. And so uh, then the so then the Romans arrest him. Mm-hmm. So, But their standard is, look, he wasn't arrested <laughs> right. by the Jews. It was the Romans. They didn't literally
0: bind him hand and feet and, and, ha- and, and hand him over to the, to the Roman officials. Right. But, but, they're, but they're missing what is happening here.
1: Well, I think if they were to stick to their own standard, they would have to say... He wouldn't have needed to be bound with his own belt, <laughs> right? But that the the yeah. belt is an example. They didn't
0: take his. They didn't take his his belt off and bind his hand and hands and feet with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when the yeah, he grabs his belt, not to say you're going to be bound by your own belt, right? But as a visual illustration mm-hmm. of you're going to be arrested. The, the
0: owner of this belt is, gonna is be, going to be arrested right. it, because of the the persecution of the Jews they're going to hand Paul over to the Romans and he's going to be put in prison. Yep. And that's exactly what happens. Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I just I disagree with that that assessment. I think right. it's way off. I, I think it's trying to make too much out of out of nothing. Right. Yeah. Uh if they if it's, stylistic- not, it's like the
0: it's like the Old Testament prophets saying you're going to go about naked during the exile. Right. Um he's are we if we push it to its it's wooden literal interpretation. We'd say that the Babylonians came and and stripped all the clothes off of all the Jews and made them travel to Babylon naked. naked. That's not what the prophets are intending to say. They're they're intending to say you're going to be humiliated. You're going you're going to be stripped down. You're going to have nothing. Yeah. You're, you're gonna you you're going to be stripped of every comfort um, of every resource, and you're going to go into exile. And yeah. so. We have to read prophetic language as prophetic language. Well,
1: and and so take Isaiah 53, according to their standard as they're judging Agabus. Mm. uh, Isaiah prophesied falsely about the Messiah. (laughs) He's despised and rejected by men. Mm -hmm. Well, there were a lot of people that liked him. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. There were like thousands. Uh They tried to make him king once. Right. Thousands. So Mm -hmm. he he was actually liked. Right. Even at the time when he was crucified... Yeah. There was a large portion of of people there that liked him. Right. You see you see what I'm getting at? Mhm. So you can't you can't do that with the yeah. uh, with prophecy and uh unless the prophecy is intended to communicate actual specific details. Right. In which case then you would test that to see if it comes pl- comes true. Yeah. Um I'm um. <laughs>
0: I'm thinking of another place. You are? Yeah. Um, Let me see if I can find it real quick. I was
1: thinking...
0: (laughs) There's the the prophecy of the 70 weeks in Daniel Uh of the rebuilding of of Jerusalem Uh after the exile. And this is a timetable leading up to the Messiah. Okay. Um, Well, even if you push... everyone's tried to do all kinds of mathematical equations to try to figure out the 70 weeks right um and none of them are exactly where they need to be right but ignoring that talking about the building of of jerusalem it shall be built again with squares and moat has there ever been a moat (laughs) built around jerusalem no (laughs) i got a drawbridge (laughs) right It's meant it's going to be rebuilt it's going to be secure the walls are going to be rebuilt it's going to be a place where people can actually live again right and this is a time when Daniel is living and and uh-huh. the walls have been destroyed and and you can't live in Jerusalem because there's no protection mm-hmm. the the purpose of the prophecy is that it's going to be rebuilt and you can actually inhabit it and it's going to be safe again yeah not that they're literally going to dig a moat around the city and there's going to be a drawbridge.
1: Yeah. Okay, uh, Pentecost prophecy. Yeah. Uh, Holy Spirit comes, people begin speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. uh, falls on a mass of people, so yeah. there are many people speaking in tongues. We would see this as a reversal of Babylon. They're speaking known human languages. Mm-hmm. right? People can hear them speaking in their native tongue yeah. How did these people do this? And uh, people, some people say they're drunk, and he says no. Peter says no. This is what uh, is uttered through the prophet Joel. Right, right. In the last days, it shall be I will pull my pour my spirit out on all flesh. Did all people, George in Jerusalem, <laughs> receive the Holy Spirit?
0: Are we gonna start interpreting all these prophecies like Arminians?
1: Right. All has to always mean all. Well, that's how they would do. Right. That's why I'm saying they're pl- the standard of that they have for Agabus, if we do it, it then mm-hmm. he, he didn't. Right. A Jew and Gentile will receive the Holy Spirit is a clear <clears> meaning, <throat> which they did at Pentecost. Jew and Gentile both were there.
0: Men and women. Men and women.
1: And they, it's
0: it's um it's an expansion of the Holy Spirit's ministry in the old testament. Mm-hmm. That the Holy Spirit would only rest upon certain individuals to empower them for prophecy. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on everyone, on everyone right. who comes to faith in Christ.
1: Yeah. Male, female servants, young men, old men. Mm-hmm. But verse 19. We got to talk about 19 and
0: 20. I'm in Joel, so what are we?
1: Okay, I, I'm, in, I'm in Acts. Okay. I'll just read it to you because it's in Joel. Yeah. I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Mm -hmm. which Paul quotes in Romans. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. George, the sun was turned to darkness, we would say, when Christ was uh, crucified, but it wasn't at Pentecost. Right. Right. The moon didn't turn to blood. Well, what is what does Peter say about this prophecy? He said he goes on to, to, to talk about Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, crucified at the hands of lawless men. And God has raised him up from death. Well, uh, what is,
0: what does he say about the, the prophecy though in, in uh does he say it before he
1: Before it. Yeah, he says people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Right, he's telling him what is ha- what what Joel prophesied is here. It's taking place right now. Right, but what's the, what is the imagery of the sun turning to darkness and the moon to blood? Because it didn't literally happen <coughs> <Right>. at Pentecost. <laughs> right. Well, some might would say it did, but th- th- right. there's no evidence that it, that it did.
0: Yeah. Uh, what's that imagery? It, it's apocalyptic language. It's it's judgment language.
1: Which Pentecost is also a judgment upon Israel because mm-hmm. to hear foreign tongues in your city is judgment on God. What right. verse is that? You know what I'm talking about. I got to find it now, George. Gonna, I'm not going to be able to find it today. Watch, but I am going to find it because I did. I did an in-depth study on this one time. For the people of Israel to hear foreign tongues is a, is a judgment upon them.
0: Oh yeah, and, and Paul Paul uses this in First
1: Corinthians. Um. Chapter fourteen, I believe, mm-hmm. and so that—that's what I'm getting at. Right, y- you apply apply the st- the what they say. Look, hey, Agabus, he has got fall prof- his his prophecy. It's not 100 percent accurate, you mm-hmm. know. Their standard, though, if you apply it, what they're looking for, you'd say the Joel was off too, <laughs> right? So and yeah, not,
0: and not just Joel, but other other yeah. uh, other places also,
1: uh-huh. yeah. That's right. What are you looking for?
0: Um, well, I mean, some people might hear us say, "Well, that's that um, that's that's not a literal event." The the sun going dark, the moon turning the blood, mm-hmm. and they may say, "Yeah, it is." <laughs> so, right. so, I'm uh, I'm trying to find I'm trying to find some places where uh, it's the same event. Right. Is described, um, and I, I know that it. Uh, I know it's it's describing
1: Egypt in one place. I've got I've got one example of it, of this prophetic imagery. Yeah. You remember when they're questioning Jesus? He's in the uh, Sanhedrin, and they ask him, um, "Is he the Messiah?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "I tell you the truth, you will see." Uh as he say, the son of man or me? The son of man. The son of man coming on the clouds with glory. Mm-hmm. And they, sh- they strike him. Right. Okay. He meant you. Right. You who are persecuting me at this false mock trial will see me coming on the clouds with glory. Right. They know what he's talking about, and they hit him. What is he talking about?
0: He's he's describing uh, Daniel chapter seven, the Son of Man coming on clouds
1: Uh um, and being enthroned, right. And also, uh, the the clouds and gloom and uh, the clouds coming, they come they come when there's judgment.
0: Yeah, uh, Isaiah chapter nineteen verse one: Behold, an oracle concerning Egypt. Yeah, behold, the Lord is riding on a swift cloud and
1: comes to Egypt. That's it, and so that's. And that prophetic language is used throughout the Old Testament. So, right. I believe what he, Jesus was referring to there was eighty seventy, mm-hmm. and it came to pass that right. he came in prophetic judgment, and it destroyed, uh, and destroyed, the temple and the temple mount.
0: Yeah. Matthew twenty four,
1: Revelation six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Opening of the sixth seal. Right. So there's that. Uh, there's that standard mm-hmm. Where, again they would say oh well they didn't actually see Jesus on clouds right right so this this way that they get at it from the agabus i mean we've, we're probably beating a dead horse now with agabus right. but <laughs> right but but it
0: is a it is a a reason why they say that um well these these prophecies don't have to be 100% ac- accurate and right. what we're saying is yeah, no, they, they do. do.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, you're just thinking about prophetic language the wrong way.
0: But let's 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 do this. Uh, let's do this video. We keep putting it. on oh, right, right, the, right. the video because yeah, yeah. they say that it's. Uh, you know, it's. MacArthur said that prophecy. It's not an impression. Which it's th- it's a it's a clear message. That is is declared to someone.
1: Yeah, they say it can be spontaneous utterance, it can be an impression God brings to you that he is bringing his word through an impression, um, things of this nature. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't fit, I think, with what Old Testament prophecy is. So right. yeah, I think, let's bring that up, because yeah, my tablet's about to die. <laughs> um, you ready to switch it over? Here we go. Uh. I don't maybe agree with that uh, first statement there.
2: I understand what's being said. You see that, the
1: first statement. What did it say? It said social justice pastor oh. Chandler. Uh, he's he's pretty woke. I I mean he's he's more woke than I than. Man, than he we fell, are. he he fell into
0: the you know hands up don't shoot. Yeah, he did stuff.
1: He also said he would uh uh what wh- he hired a organization to find him some pastors <laughs> and they said this organization asked him what if we find a uh, uh like a white six and a uh no no what if we find a, a white a, seven a white and a seven six. and a black six on a scale and he said, Well I'll take the uh the white se- the white seven because I don't want to be like a token I don't want to do well, token fir-
0: well at first he said he said um if there's a, a black six and a white seven, he'd take the black six. Yeah. But what if we found like a black six and a white eight? Right. And he'd say, I, well, I want the eight because I don't want it to be the tokenism.
1: Right. But but it's token, but it's okay <laughs> if it's a, a seven and a six. Right. Then it's not tokenism. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I think Matt Chandler is a, he's a, uh, he's a good brother and, He uh, he's obviously a Christian and a very skilled preacher, Mm -hmm. and he's influenced a lot of people for the better. I'd say, yeah. Um, We just majorly disagree with him on this. Right. This is and this kind of story you'll see is just kind of bizarre and weird. Yeah. So he's talking about impressions, like Mm -hmm. prophecy. If God gives you a prophecy, no matter how weird, you got to tell it to somebody. Right.
2: Just let it sit. Maybe in time, God will reveal it to him. What I'm asking you to do is be brave ask hear, step out approach and just say hey while i was praying the lord brought you to my mind and and even if it sounds crazy to you just trust him so if you're like i I'll, I, I saw danny spencer over here and i love him and so i'm just going to use you danny say i'm praying in the morning i'm just like. Lord, just bring me somebody to encourage us. I want to be used by you. I want to pursue love. I want to push out darkness. I want to expose the lies of the enemy. And I want to use my mouth to build up your sons and daughters. And he puts Danny Spencer in my mind. And then I don't do that. Well, is that me? Is that, gosh, Danny texted me earlier this week. So am I, is that bad chicken? Is that what, you know? No, I'm just going, okay, Danny, let's do it. Lord, what would you want me to encourage Danny with? And then I quiet again trying to listen, and then automatically in my head, there's a picture of a ship, a pirate ship. And then there's, uh, there, there's like cannons on the pirate ship, and there's a shark chasing the pirate ship. Now at that point, you're like, nope, no, not gonna happen, right? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just step out, and you can even admit, like we're growing together, and we're gonna fail, and this is gonna get weird, it's gonna be awesome. Like, I'm just going to go to Danny and I'm going to be like, Hey brother, you heard my sermon. I was praying, Danny was a pirate ship, it's a shark chasing it there were cannons. I'm not going to interpret that for him. I'm not going to be like, what I think that means is that maybe you're stealing some stuff from people and Jesus is the shark and I, you need to repent. I, I'm not going to interpret that for him. I'm just going to go, and in a great deal of humility, I'm just going to be, does that make any sense to you?
1: (laughs) Nope.
0: No, it does not. (laughs) (laughs) Strange, right? Right.
1: That's not prophecy, right? Where do we get any of that
0: in the Old or the New Testament? Nowhere. This, well, I had this impression, and I was seeing, you know. A spaghetti monster. Yeah, <laughs> right? it's, yeah. it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Right?
1: Not at all. <laughs> <sighs> yeah it, it 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 doesn't make any sense. Um, it goes with the redefinition of it though. Mm-hmm. The standards lowered where you could be wrong and not be a false prophet. Uh, just you just need to repent, show contrition, and repent. But also the redefinition of prophecy itself. Prophecy is inerrant revelation, verbal revelation from God, right? Either through audible or through a dream, things of that nature. But it's verbal communication right. from perfect, <clears throat> holy God. Yeah. That communication was then inscripturated.
0: I was gonna ask you about that. Because not all prophecy in the Old Testament was inscripturated. We've okay. we've got Elijah and Elisha who mm-hmm. seem to have made more prophecies than actually is recorded. Would you agree with that? Would you say that that only <clears> those <throat> things that
1: they that was actually written down? I think so. Um yeah, I think, but the key the key thing to remember, though, is even if it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was taken as the words of God. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And carried the same mm-hmm. weight of Scripture. Right. Because all of God's words carry the same weight and authority. Mm-hmm. So impressions aren't in that category um, of this nature. What they would also do is... Because I... I
0: I don't think that you know, when you read the the four gospels that you're getting every word that Jesus ever spoke.
1: Right. He said more. I mean John tells you that at the end of his gospel. (laughs) Right. He did more. But it's all everything he said had the authority
0: of being the word of God because Jesus is God. He's speaking it. Yeah. So he didn't he didn't say anything and there was well, you know, it's not one hundred percent accurate.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um also, and we've talked about this, we this does not mean that we are not guided by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. or that there's not a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit or that He ministers directly to us or that He brings Scripture to mind spontaneously to minister to us or even that uh, when we're preparing our sermons, the Holy Spirit isn't guiding our preparation. We believe all of that. Mm-hmm. We don't believe our sermons are Scripture, obviously. But we do believe as far as we expose God's Word accurately, it should be received because we're making the text plain. Right. And that should be received as God's Word. Mm -hmm. Um, But even when you're preaching, sometimes you'll say things you didn't prepare, and uh, we believe that that's the guidance of the Holy Spirit, too. Um, Things will come to your mind, applications you didn't think of before, illustrations, and sometimes people will even say to you, hey, what you said... That really ministered to me. I needed to hear that. And you're like, well, I didn't even prepare that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, yeah. That's the Holy Spirit being operational in his church. That's not prophecy. Yeah. It's not prophecy. Right? Um I don't know why there's the tendency to try to categorize it as prophecy. Do you? I, I don't see the connection. No, i don't, I don't know I don't know either um, you know Lloyd Jones' often talked about i I
0: think it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the the pastor teacher yeah like there there's the office right uh-huh and that that doesn't that doesn't cease even if the apostolic office and the prophetic office have ceased as the foundation of the church they're still evangelist and uh, pastor, teacher, right? Uh, we would, I, I think, um, put those two together.
1: I mean, of all people, right? I mean, th- they would say you're a cessationist. Yeah, you don't believe the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. That's the that's a lot of times, um, the accusation. But so we
0: despise prophecy.
1: We just dis- they say you despise prophecy. The Bible tells us not to despise prophecy, mm-hmm. which we do need to cover. But let's just quickly. Cover this part. Um, We don't. We are uh, reformed. Mm -hmm. We don't believe someone can be saved under our preaching unless the Holy Spirit works through our words. Right. Like we believe preaching becomes like a portal, Mm -hmm. a conduit. The Holy Spirit moves through the words of the man, his personality, his communication and it it becomes a supernatural means by which he transforms a human's heart sitting before you. We do not... The the accusation is not true. We don't believe you can be saved apart from the work of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a supernatural working. And and I
0: do have to um, at at least say... I I like that they included this in their statement. We recognize that prophets do not serve as spiritual fortune tellers or prognosticators, nor is their role to satisfy our curiosity curiosity about the future or reveal abstract information. God's purpose in prophecy is redemptive, calling for repentance, giving supernatural guidance, bringing comfort, deliverance, restoration, and glorifying Jesus as Lord. So I I appreciate that that statement. Mm-hmm that at least they're they're trying to um make the role of the prophet i guess what we would we would see in the new testament i think mm, mm-hmm. um they're they're supposed to be um revealing christ right um so uh, i at least appreciate that even though i i think that that's that's the role of the the pastor teacher
1: right yeah yeah
0: or anyone who's expounding God's word, right? I mean, when you when you are opening up God's word, whether you're at the pulpit or in Sunday school, or around your kitchen table with your kids, and you're accurately explaining it, that's the the prophets are still speaking,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Right, they are, yeah. And the Holy Spirit can use that to do all of those things. Yes, <laughs> the redemptive work, calling for repentance, giving guidance, bringing comfort, yes. glorifying Jesus—all of those things can be done in the, you know, in the privacy of your own home as you're yeah. opening up the scriptures and you're, you're reading that and explaining it accurately and applying it. Yeah, and uh, that doesn't—that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're a prophet, right? Yeah, it yeah. means that you are listening to the prophets.
1: Yeah. That's right. Uh, do we need to cover the uh, verse which says uh, that they use us say so we know in part and we prophesy Well, in part? I did not know
0: if you maybe wanted to do another episode where we look at some of the the verses that they use and we can respond to them.
1: Yeah, maybe we should do that because we are we're, at an hour and we're six. We're running. We're
0: running long. Maybe we could turn this into a two-parter. <clears throat>
1: so maybe next week what we'll do, we'll take their biggest verses mm-hmm. and say, we did Agabus. That's okay. a big one but there are a few others right uh, you've got um, there's
0: 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and yeah, and 13 those are 12, the big 12 ones. 13 and 14 we could talk a little bit more about do not despise prophecy
1: that's what we'll do next yeah. time okay you want to shut us down george yeah let's
0: do it all right well hopefully this has been um, helpful for you uh, be sure to to check out this statement propheticstandards.com don't uh, don't take our word for it you can actually lay your own eyes on it and uh, test everything by the scriptures. Listen to the, uh, the apostles and prophets as they've laid the foundations in God's Word, pointing to Christ. And uh, that's what we want to do. We want to encourage you to be in the Word. And uh, it's our hope and prayer and our aim that as you look at the Word, as you understand it, that you might be more and more conformed to Christ.